1: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by, and welcome to the EXCO Technologies Limited 4th Quarter 2020 Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to end the conference to your speaker today, Darren Kirk, Chief Executive Officer of EXCO. Please go ahead, sir.
2: Thank you, Joel. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to EXCO Technology Limited's fiscal 2020 fourth quarter conference call. I am Darren Kirk, CEO of EXCO. I will lead off with an operations overview. Matthew Posno, our CFO, will then review the financial results. The format of this call will be the same as in the past, After a brief presentation, we will take questions. The call will end no later than 10.40. Before we begin, I would like to make some comments about forward-looking information. In yesterday's news release and on page 2 of the presentation that we have posted to our website, you'll find cautionary notes in that regard. While I won't repeat the contents of the cautionary notes, we do claim their protection for any forward-looking information we might disclose today. First, I'd like to address the formidable challenges that we are all facing with respect to COVID-19. At Exco, we continue to take the necessary actions to protect the health and safety of our employees, meet the ongoing needs of our customers, and minimize the adverse impact on our finances and operations. Of course, we are also continuing with the necessary investments to both solidify and enhance our competitive positioning for the immediate and longer term. In summary, I'm exceptionally pleased with the progress and the results for both the quarter and the year, especially in context of the extremely difficult market conditions we faced in the last two quarters. I know all of our stakeholders appreciate these results were only possible with a lot of extra effort by and disruption to each of our employees. I am very thankful for the extra effort by the entire EXCO team, especially for working together. keep each other safe through these difficult times. For the year, we delivered $0.69 of earnings per share and generated free cash flow of $42 million, or $1.04 per share. We paid out about a third of this cash in dividends and directed the rest to share buybacks and to further strengthen our balance sheet. Beyond our financial results, we achieved significant operational success, which will be evident in the quarters and years to come. In our casting and extrusion segment, our new extrusion dye plant in Mexico performed extremely well, with first full-year results exceeding our expectations. We also advanced our industry-leading position in the 3D printing of powdered metal for tooling purposes, upgraded and added equipment across our businesses, gained several new customers, and saw significant productivity gains. As well, we progressed key strategic investments including Castool's new Greenfield plant in Morocco and we are moving ahead with heat treatment facilities for several of our locations. In our automotive solutions segment, we continue to develop new innovative products, one sizable new programs, advanced several others and are readying for the launch of some key new programs this quarter. In both of our business segments, the rise of the electric vehicle and the entrance of several new non-traditional automakers are creating incremental opportunities which we are actively seizing. As well, in our tooling group, our products are getting larger and far more complex, which plays to our competitive advantage. So despite obvious uncertainty, we see great potential for margin-enhancing growth in the year and indeed years ahead. I'll begin my operations overview for the fourth quarter with our automotive solution segment, where market fundamentals improved material, materially relative to Q3. As you know, automotive vehicle production levels in Europe and to a greater extent in North America rebounded swiftly during the quarter. On a combined basis, our targeted industry production volumes were down only modestly versus the prior year. Segment, segment revenues in the quarter saw a drag from this lower vehicle production volume but our revenues were also negatively impacted by launch delays for certain new programs at our customers' end, as well as the de- destocking of inventory channels for our accessory products. On the cost side, we experienced major fluctuations in forecast versus actual orders in the quarter. This occurred as our customers struggled to anticipate demand and understand their own plant production limitations, particularly at the front end of the quarter. These challenges were pushed down to the supply base and placed strain on our production planning process. Nonetheless, despite the disruption and increased cost to keep our labor safe, we rose to the challenge to satisfy our customer needs. Offsetting these challenges, we implemented several operational measures that will result in lasting productivity gains once things inevitably normalize and our volumes go higher, as we expect. Of note, despite the difficult environment during the quarter, Our segment EBITDA margin improved to almost 15%, which is among the highest such figure we've achieved in the past few years. Looking forward, combined North America and European vehicle production levels are expected to be down modestly in the quarter ahead, but up sizably for the year. We expect our growth to exceed these trends beginning in our first fiscal quarter. This growth will be helped by increased sales of our accessory products as inventories are replenished with buffer stock added. As well, we do have a few programs that will launch in the first half of the year above the levels that we would normally see. Further out, we are deeply engaged in quoting new programs that could contribute outsized growth. In the casting and extrusion segment, market conditions varied somewhat widely between the extrusion and die cast markets. Extrusion market conditions improved during the quarter, but remained relatively soft. This market, as you know, is highly diversified by industry vertical and contracted by perhaps 12% compared to the prior year. Conditions, however, improved from the prior sequential quarter, and further improvement is expected in the quarters ahead, with higher demand from the automotive end market playing a key part. Demand for our extrusion die tooling was down by less than the market as we outperformed the industry by leveraging our multi-plant footprint and harmonized manufacturing processes. This flexibility enabled us to meet customer demands while containing costs. On the die-cast side, there were also varying trends, but overall market demand is pretty good. Castool saw significant demand for its consumable tooling products as automotive production volumes ramped up sharply. Castool is also seeing decent share gains as they benefit from their leading market position and increasing demand for larger and more complex diecast components. The large mold group saw lower activity during the quarter from the delayed impact of OEM production stoppages in our third quarter. New dye development continued through this period, but dye rebuild work typically lagged by a quarter or so. The group, however, has been very active quoting and winning both new programs and new customers, so activity looks pretty good in the quarters ahead. With respect to segment cost, it's hard to overstate how competitive our markets are. Nonetheless, we continued to harness efficiency gains across the group, while lower steel prices were also a net benefit. Our segment EBITDA margin was fairly strong in the quarter, coming in at around 20% again. While this may tick down during the coming year, we certainly expect the segment will realize overall EBITDA growth. To summarize again, we are very pleased with our results for the quarter and the year. Despite the significant challenges we all face today and meaningful near-term risks in the broader market, we are very well positioned for fiscal 2021 and the years ahead. With that, it concludes my operations overview. I will now pass the call over to Matthew to discuss the financial highlights of the quarter. Thank you, Darren. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen.
3: Consolidated sales for the fourth quarter ended September 30, were $100.7 million, a decrease of $21 million, or 17% from the prior year. The decline in sales reflects the global impact of COVID-19 on the company's two segments. Fourth quarter sales at our automotive solutions segment decreased 8.2 million, or 12%, and the casting extrusion group sales were down 13 million, or 25%. Over the quarter, exchange rate movements increased sales by 1.3 million. Annual sales totaled $412 million compared to $507 million last year, a decrease of 95 million, or 19%, over last year. The decline reflects the global impact of COVID nineteen together with the deconsolidation of ALC in january twenty nineteen. The company's sales were impacted by COVID nineteen differently depending on the business segment. For the automotive solutions segment, three out of our four plants were idled for two and a half months in the third quarter. The casting and extrusion segment experienced sales declines ranging from ten to fifty percent as volume fluctuated fluctuated with disrupted timing for customer orders. Customer demand for this segment varied depending on the product. Demand rebounded for the, by the end of the fourth quarter across all business segments. For the year, automotive solution segment sales were lower by 72 million or 24% compared to fiscal 2019 and cashing extrusion segment sales were down 23 million or 11% compared to fiscal 2019. The FX rate movements added about 3.5 million to sales during the year. Consolidated net income in the fourth quarter increased to 10.7 million, or earnings per share of 27 cents, compared to 6.7 million or earnings of 17 cents per share in the same quarter last year. An EPS increase of 59%. The effective income tax rate was negative -3, 3% in the quarter, compared to 16% in the same quarter last year. The effective tax rate in the current period was improved. By the reversal of $2.3 million deferred tax liabilities from resolved tax exposures and $300,000 of R&D tax credits net of certain foreign tax adjustments. Excluding these items, the effective tax rate was 22% in the quarter. The automotive solutions segment experienced a 12% decrease in sales in the fourth quarter or a reduction of $8.2 million to $61.2 million from $69.4 million in the fourth quarter. The decrease was driven by lower vehicle production volumes, the delay in certain new customer programs ramping up due to COVID-19, and timing of accessory sales which do not always correlate well with OEM production volumes. Fourth quarter pre-tax earnings in the Automotive Solutions segment totaled $7.3 million which is an increase of $2.3 million or 46% over the same quarter last year. Despite lower sales, pre-tax profits increased benefiting from management's efforts to control costs improved efficiencies, and a shift in demand to higher margin programs. In addition, current period results benefited from the Canadian Wage Subsidy Program while the prior year results were adversely impacted by higher labor costs at Polytech and AFX, significant inefficiencies associated with program launches, higher severance costs, and the inefficiencies related to the General Motors strike. The casting extrusion segment recorded sales of 39.5 million in the fourth quarter compared to 52.4, a decrease of 13 million or 25%. The sales decline was mainly driven by the deterioration of general economic conditions due to the impact of COVID-19, changes in product mix and delivery timing, as well as lower steel costs generally. Pre-tax earnings in the casting extrusion segment improved by $200,000 or 5% over the same quarter last year to $4.2 million. The earnings improvement was driven by increased contributions from the extrusion and cast tool groups and benefits from the Canadian wage subsidy program. Exco generated cash flow from operating activities of $15.5 million during the quarter and $10 million of free cash flow after $5.4 million of net capital expenditures. This cash flow was more than sufficient to fund $3.8 million in dividends and $3.2 million in share repurchases. For the year, Exco generated free cash flow of $41.7 million and returned $24.1 million to shareholders through combined dividend payments and share repurchases. Exco ended the year with $26.6 million in net cash and $76.6 million of available liquidity, including $33.1 million in balance sheet cash, continuing the company's practice of maintaining a very strong balance sheet and liquidity position. Exco's financial position remains very strong. As such, the company's balance sheet availability in her existing credit facilities allows considerable flexibility to support strategic capital spending, dividends and share buybacks, and other opportunities that may arise. That concludes my financial review. We can now transition the Q&A portion of the call. Joel?
1: Thank you. As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Our first question comes from Michael Dumay with Scotia Bank. Your line is now open.
0: Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning, Mike. Yeah, uh, nice quarter. I was just wondering if you uh, can call out the uh, the wage subsidy you received in the quarter. Um, and then for the automotive solutions, if you exclude out the wage subsidy, I'm just wondering, you know, if you can sustain that level of margin going forward. I'll
3: do the first one. So in terms of wage subsidy, the quarter discloses around $4 million. Uh, approximately 25% was the automotive solutions group. The remainder was
2: caffeine extrusion. And and then I guess with respect to the the EBITDA margin uh, for the segment, you know, we were around 15% for the quarter. It was certainly uh, a benefit to some extent from the wage subsidy. But, um, you know, we we do see uh, the prospect for that margin going higher uh, over the next year. Uh, It's going to be helped by uh, some additional overhead absorption as, as our volumes improve uh also uh the product mix um is uh expected to improve uh this year so you know i, I would say that uh, you know we we do see upward pressure on that margin
0: interesting okay that 's good news and then um turning to the calcium and extrusion, I mean you called out um a couple of factors. There's a lag effect in the large mold. There were lower steel prices and then Qs in, in fiscal Q4. I mean, presumably those are all moving in the opposite direction for, for fiscal Q1. I think you did talk about margins ticking down. Any way you can provide, um, you know, maybe some goalposts or guidance around what type of normalization we should see next quarter?
2: Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's tough to give you guidance for a quarter. Um, but, uh, you know, for for the year, we, we do uh, – certainly expect that uh, we'll have both top-line and, and EBITDA growth, even if the margin comes under a pres- little bit of pressure from, uh, from
0: Q4. Awesome. Okay. And if I can sneak one in, um, I mean, presumably earnings will recover next year. You know, your free cash flow comfortably covers your dividend. Um, you've got a net cash balance. Um, and even with a buyback, I mean, it looks like you're going to build – um, your cash balance going forward. I'm just wondering what the big-picture strategy is to accelerate capital deployment.
2: Well, we are certainly focused on spending capital, um, and uh, you'll see that uh, our, our CapEx budget for 2021 is uh, north of $30 million, $33 million. And, um, you know, we're, we're focused on greenfield additions and uh, also making some capital investments that will improve the operations of our tooling group uh, namely with the heat treat facilities that uh, I mentioned. Um, you know, I think it's, it's still – we're still going to generate free cash flow uh, even after all those sizable investments. And, you know, we'll look at the dividend uh, next quarter. Um, you know, we've had a long track record of consistent, um, consistently increasing the dividend. Um, but to the extent that the balance sheet, you know, continues to uh, – you know, remain strong in that we have surplus cash. Uh you know, we don't mind holding it for some period of time. You know, we're on the lookout for acquisition opportunities and uh you know we continue to be focused on that, but we're not going to jump the gun and take something that uh that we're not happy with. Uh you know, then we also periodically buy back stock, but I think you should expect that the balance sheet will, will remain strong. Got it. Thanks for the uh thanks for the color guys, next quarter.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from David Ocampo with Cormark Securities. Your line is now open.
0: Uh, Good morning, guys.
2: Morning. Morning, David.
0: When when we think about the new programs that you've won in automotive solutions and and sort of what you're quoting on today, and coupling that with what appears to be a shift to more higher-end vehicles, how should we think about the CPV growth over the next few years?
2: Um, You know, so I think we've had a pretty um, good track record of generally having revenue growth that's 5 to 10% points higher than changes in vehicle production volumes. And looking at the programs that we're launching this year, uh, which does include um, some that are uh, outsized um, relative to to prior years, you know, I I would expect that um, we could um, certainly get close to the, the upper end of that range or, or 10% uh, premium growth. And that represents content per vehicle growth. Um, you know, with um, all the change to the vehicles that are happening um, and the rise of the electric vehicle, uh, there is a significant opportunity for us to, um, to introduce more content uh, into vehicles as they get larger and have more ca- cabin space as electric vehicles do. And so we are uh, actively um, quoting on and, uh, frankly, winning a lot of these programs. And so I think just naturally, as we see kind of the landscape evolve for, for vehicles, it, it, plays, it plays to our advantage, and, uh, and that's contributing to the growth.
0: That's great. And then last one here for me. With steel prices moving up so dramatically in the last few months, is there any lag uh, with respect to passing off this cost to your customers. And can you give us a sense on what percentage of, of raw material costs is steel?
2: Yeah, so for the steel, our, we, we buy uh, specialty-grade uh, tooling steel, and uh, we, we have not seen that uh, price increase for for the steel that we buy uh, occur. Uh, in fact, if anything, it's, it's continued to have downward pressure uh, in recent quarters and months. Uh, you know, so that, you know, a lot of the movement in the price of steel is is passed on to customers, but there's there's a lag. Um, and you know, where where the price of steel goes in the future, uh, I can't say. But our, our recent um, track record has, has been that it's been coming down. I guess in in terms of intensity of, of revenues, it's you know, probably in the neighborhood of 20% or so uh, for the tooling group.
0: Okay, that's it for me. I'll hop back in, Keith.
1: Thank you. As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Our next question comes from Peter Sklar with BMO Capital Markets. Your line is now open.
4: Yeah. uh, Good morning, Darren and Matthew. Um, Darren, I first wanted to ask you, like, strategically, you know, you're seeing this accelerated movement globally to battery electric vehicles. So, like, what is your plan for the large mold business? you know, because obviously a battery electric vehicle doesn't need a transmission case cover or an engine block. And I'm just wondering what you're thinking is there and what you can do with that business.
2: Sure. Um, I, I think, you know, broadly, uh, the move to uh, the electric vehicle is, uh, a, a very positive thing for our entire tooling group, uh, both extrusion and die cast, uh, the electric vehicle may not have the uh, requirements for engine blocks and, uh, and transmissions, of course, but uh, a lot of the structure of the vehicle is being made with die-cast components. You only need to look at what Tesla is doing with the massive die-cast machines that they're installing uh, to see that you know, die-cast is, is taking share, uh, and uh, the, mold, the mold complexity is is increasing with the size of these components that are required. We are uh, actively uh, uh, quoting winning uh, awards for structural components and, um, and and building them today, and whether it's uh, internal combustion engine or electric vehicle, uh, more of the structure will be made of, of die cast. Uh, these components will become more complex, and uh, that plays to uh, our strength. And so. Uh, we're seeing that today, and, and we expect it's going to be a, a tailwind for us, not a headwind.
4: Okay. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to ask you about is, um, can you el- elaborate a little bit about the uh, this tooling you're developing? You know, not through traditional machining methods, but through 3D printing. Is is that in like where are you doing that? Is that for extrusion tooling or cast tool tooling? Can you just talk a little bit about that?
2: So, the uh, machines that we have, um, of which we have three uh, up in in Newmarket, uh, we use them primarily to uh, support our uh, mold design uh, for the large mold group. And uh, by using an additive uh, printed component uh, in the mold, it enables the entire mold to perform at much higher levels of efficiency. Uh, We also you know, design and, and, and develop and, and manufacture uh, replacement tooling components that we, we do sell to our, our customers. Um, but, uh, you know, that 3D printing business is uh, is, is going very well for us. Uh, we are a clear market leader, and we are seeing significant growth uh, in, in that market. It both supports our uh, existing business and provides us with, with new growth channels.
4: Right. Okay, um, and then just my last question is just, just kind of, what is your gut feeling in terms of the outlook for demand in the extrusion tooling business? You know, obviously, you know, as it relates to non-residential construction, you're not, you know, there's obviously going to be a slowdown in office towers, but there's going to be, you know, there's obviously a big pickup in building of warehouses and distribution centers and things of that nature. So, just wondering, kind of on balance, how you think the The demand is going to unfold in that business.
2: Yeah, you know it's a tough thing to uh, to forecast, Peter. But you know the the beauty about that business uh, is that it's very diverse by end market. You know, building and construction is is perhaps the largest end market, but it's it's only thirty percent or a third of the overall use. And you know, as you point out, you know where one segment falls, you know others may rise. Uh, We're certainly seeing an increase in demand for uh, extruded. aluminum for the automotive industry and we're very you know we're active in that part of the market and you know I, I think generally the extrusion market has kind of had a, a GDP plus type growth profile and I don't know where things shake out or, over a quarter or two but you know longer term uh, I would expect that to hold.
4: Right and, and this Mexican plant you have like it sounds like it's performing well um, how do you find the the labor force there
2: um, in, in terms of recruiting them or how do we find them Well, I
4: know in Mexico, like you've talked about um, in your automotive solutions businesses in Mexico, one of the issues there is very high turnover of you know of your staff yeah, um, so I,
2: I, I'd say our our, our labor uh, situation in Mexico generally uh, has been um, uh, favorable uh, in the last uh, several quarters, you know, absenteeism and, uh, uh, and turnover are, are, are way down. Uh, with respect to our extrusion um, operations there, one of the benefits that we have is that we have this multi-plant footprint and uh, we can centralize things like the, the design of the dye and uh, the programming for the equipment. And those are uh, perhaps some of the more technical skills that are required in order to perform. Uh, that business. And uh, so, you know, that, that, that has helped kind of centralizing those parts of the operation has has really kind of helped us um, start up these greenfield plants where we can take some of the more complex jobs uh, out of the the day-to-day requirements there and do it elsewhere. The
3: other thing, Peter, Peter, is those plants in uh, like the extrusion plant aren't as large. So attracting good talent and keeping them, it's, it's a little bit different than, um, you know, a 1,000 here and there. So it's it's it hasn't been an issue from what I've heard.
4: Okay, good to hear. Um, thank you both for your comments. Yeah, thanks, Peter.
1: Thank you. I'm not showing any further questions at this time. I would now like to turn the call back over to Darren Kurt for closing remarks.
2: Great. Well, we appreciate everyone's uh, time this morning, and we look forward to speaking with you again next quarter. Stay safe, everyone. Bye-bye.